0: Sports Ethos New York Knicks Podcast, Andre Galliver, and it happened. A trade, I'm not going to call it a blockbuster, but I guess it is a blockbuster trade, happened. You all know the trade, I'll give it to you real quick. OG, Ananobi, to the Knicks, for Emmanuel Quickly, R.J. Barrett, and a second round draft pick. Also, the Knicks, you see Precious Achua and Malachi Flint. Now, I've gotten a chance to talk about this trade with some some basketball folks, not NBA folks, but you know some uh, good basketball minds uh, who you know, spent a lot of time on the NBA. I didn't spend a whole lot of time on Twitter. I didn't want to sully my brain with all the Twitter opinions and the emotions. I did see a tweet from Seth Partnow, who is a big analytics guy, uh, ex-NBA front office guy, author. Uh, Well, a lot of respect for. I know he's not a big fan of R.J. Barrett. He said his initial reaction to the trade with Toronto got quite a haul and it surprised me because I know he's not a big R.J. Barrett fan. And uh, that surprises me. I know he's probably a huge Quickly fan, as we all are. And I'm going to preface this entire conversation with a moment of silence for Emmanuel Quickly. That's it. That's all you get. That's the moment. Emmanuel, quickly. All the best. I hate seeing him go in this trade. And I want to preface everything I say with making it very clear that I hate seeing him go in this trade. So my feelings in this trade, my analysis of this trade, it must include an understanding because I know some people are slow. It must include an understanding that I am not happy that Emmanuel quickly was in this trade. If the Knicks could have made this trade without having give up having to give up Emmanuel quickly, uh, and depending on how many picks it would have cost, it would have been just an absolute shellacking by the Knicks over Toronto. If they had to, if they gave up anything less than than two picks or less with R.J. Barrett, it would have been a shellacking by the Knicks. So they had to give up something, unfortunately. It was quickly. You got to give to get. You want to get better. You got to give to get. It had to be quickly. I'm not happy. And and the more I think about this deal, and I've said this a couple times already, and I've seen people say that quickly was like a, a throw-in because they weren't going to be able to sign him, and it, like I I I it really like that bothers me a little bit. It wasn't a throw-in. You think that I know everybody is quick to criticize the next front office. For whatever reason, because they were bad twenty years ago, like whatever, <laughs> this front office has not been that bad. Even if you disagree with things that they've done, because you can do that for every single front office, including Sam Presti, okay, and Danny Ainge. You can you can do that for every single front office, every single president, GM in the league. You can do that too. The next front office has not been bad. They have conducted good business for the most part, right? Stop holding. 20 years of mismanagement against today's front office because Dolan's still uh, the owner. That's silly, stupid. Stop doing that. Judge this front office for who they are. This front office has not shown itself to be the type of front office that gives Emmanuel quickly away. As a throw in. <laughs> OK, now, even if you can't accept my rationalization about the Knicks front office, please understand that the league is not a Nick fan. The league, and when I say the league, I mean the teams in the league, they're not Knick fans. They are NBA professionals, okay? Basketball professionals. And basketball professionals do not think that R.J. Barrett is a value right now, today, on December 30th, the year of our Lord, 2023. Do you have any idea how bad R.J. Barrett is playing? There is no way, shape, form, or fashion the Toronto Raptors said, Oh, we'll, we'll give you OG for RJ, but you got to throw in, a, you know, give us a throw in. Give us a, a little IQ. There's no way. There's no way. You have to shift your perspective on this trade. This wasn't RJ Barrett and a throw in. This was IQ. And if you want IQ, you got to take RJ Barrett. That's what this was. You don't get it. You don't get it. R.J. Barrett, the league is seeing R.J. Barrett for what I've been telling you he was. The last two, three episodes, I told you he had to go. I told you he had to go. I told you how poorly he he was playing and how he was affecting the team. He was dragging the team down. You don't understand because you're looking at R.J. Barrett for what he might be in the future. And I've done that too, so I'm not blaming you for that, but I'm blaming you for looking at this deal thinking R.J. Barrett was the value and IQ was the throw-in. It was if you want IQ, you better take R.J. Barrett. <laughs> All right? It wasn't literally that way because R.J. Barrett is the contract that had to be in this deal to get OG. But that, this is this is what we're talking about here. It's R.J. Barrett is not – let's actually look at the contract. Yeah, let's really think this through. OG's obviously a free agent. They're going to need to sign him. He's going to want more money than he has right now. Right? We'll come back to that in a second. Right? He's at $18 million right now. So in order to acquire him, they really just need to match his contract. You know who matches his contract? You know who matches it? Fournier. So if they could have got OG... And just needed to give him draft picks to, to get in match or in match his contract, they would have traded Fournier. But Toronto didn't want that. Clearly, they didn't want that. They couldn't trade IQ. IQ doesn't make enough money to match those contracts, which means they would have had to trade some of the other young kids to add their contracts up or traded IQ along with Fournier. Which ding 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 ding. Which means, which means that if IQ was the main cog. They could have just included Fournier and draft picks. But what does that tell you? That tells you that the Knicks weren't trying to give you IQ and draft picks for OG. The Knicks said, you got to take RJ Barrett if you want IQ. That's what they said. Now, it's possible that Canada was, I mean, uh, Canadian team, Toronto, was like, sure. You know, we'll take a chance on RJ. Give us RJ. You know, sure. But if it was just give us RJ, they wouldn't have needed IQ. They said if, either, if they targeted R.J., first of all, Masai Ujiri would need to be fired for malpractice. If all they wanted from the Knicks to get O.G. was R.J. Barrett, R.J. Barrett would have been traded last year. Last year. There is no way Masai Ujiri is so stupid that he would just want R.J. Barrett for O.G. Give me R.J. Barrett and two draft picks. Okay. No. Masai was like, yo, I need quickly. If you want OG, give me quickly. Because they have a need at point guard. Think about it. They have a need at point guard. They didn't want R.J. Barrett. They wanted quickly. R.J. Barrett was just a bonus. The bonus that made up for the fact that they didn't get the three draft picks, the first round draft picks, that they said they wanted. I think it was at least three. Was it three? I think it was more than that. That it was reported last year that they wanted for OG that's why they didn't get not a single one they got a second round pick they didn't get a first round draft pick it was like if you want quickly you got to take RJ and if we give you RJ we're not giving you any picks you want quickly you want it quickly actually that doesn't even make sense I shouldn't even say it that way they want it quickly period that was their target and if you want it quickly you got to take RJ too and if you're going to take RJ too, you can't get all those picks. And you're going to get RJ in quickly, you can't get all those picks. Because RJ, as much as we're going to talk trash about him, there's still some potential there. But understand that RJ has, what, three, four more years, four years guaranteed, including this, year, including this year. I'm not even going to look it up because he's done. He's done it. I think it's four years guaranteed, including this one. RJ's not playing great. RJ's contract was looking sus. It was looking sus. Stop telling me how many points per game he averages when he's shooting 42% from the field or 40% from the field, depending on which season you're looking at. He's not playing great. He's not an efficient player. The one thing he does well is score, and he doesn't do it efficiently. You know what that is? That's not a professional NBA $30 million a year player. That's not who you win championships with. Now, is there upside? potentially the R.J. Barrett sure sure I'd, t- I'd be the first one to tell you yes yeah, upside but the Knicks can't count on that upside anymore but you know who can roll the dice on it Toronto because they're starting to rebuild they want to roll the dice on it they want to use R.J. as a salary filler for another contract whatever the hell they want to do R.J. a Toronto uh born native maybe they they think they can bring the best out on R.J. sure absolutely they willing to roll the dice on them absolutely but I'm gonna tell you right now a hundred damn percent they did not target R.J. Barrett in this trade, and you need to sit down, take a deep breath, and really, really think about what you are doing, what you are saying, if you think Toronto targeted R.J. Barrett in this deal, the way R.J. Barrett is playing. What kind, of, what kind of fool do you take Masai Ujiri to be? He's already has a team that can't shoot the ball very well. See, Yakum can't shoot the ball very well right now. Now he's got another guy who can't shoot the ball very well. He sees a potential in RJ Barrett, maybe, but they don't trade on potential. That's what you got to understand. They're not. They're not going to pay what a guy might be and has never been. They're not going to pay for that. They're not going to give you value for a guy. To to maybe be something that he hasn't been. They're going to pay you for what he is right now and what he has been. So RJ is not worth that for OG. What he's doing on the court is not worth that to OG. They would have to get more draft picks to make that make sense. Even if they were willing to roll the dice that RJ is going to have a a better future somewhere else than, than he's had here in New York. They would still only pay what he's worth right now, which is not OG. It's not OG. Unless you live in the la-la land that says, well, OG is a free agent this year, so it's a rental for the Knicks, blah, blah. Listen, and I, and I touched on this earlier. The chances that OG has not worked out a contract number with the Knicks already is slim to none. Is it, is it completely impossible? No, it's not impossible. It's just very, very unlikely. Because play that scenario out. First of all, OG is a CAA client. If you're listening to this show, then you know Leon Rose is a CAA veteran. And the Knicks have a reputation for doing a lot of CAA business. That's the representation, uh, the agent, the agency for uh, OG and a few other players. Jalen Brunson, going down a lot. Used to be Randall, so I'm not going to go down a whole list right so the idea that a caa client who's a free agent this year much like josh hart last year right would come would, they would trade for that player and not know what they're signing him for already and give up a player who they value in quickly a player who they've invested in in rj is is silly business it's silly business is it impossible? No. Are they going to announce it? No. But I'm telling you right now, you can bet your bottom dollar. They already know what they're going to sign him for, and he's as good as signed already. If I am wrong, then it's, it's perfectly fine. Egg on my face, but it's not as much egg on my face as it would be on the Knicks, because that would be such bad business on their front. It would be a fancy salary dump of R.J. Barrett paying quickly to do it. Which you can probably spend 10 minutes trying to make an argument for the merits of that strategy. And that's 10 minutes that I don't have in my life. Because I'm not, I'm not, that's not, it's not worth it. They know what they're going to sign OG for. What that number is, is very relevant though. Because if they're paying OG $40 million a year, maybe that doesn't sound too great. Maybe you should have just kept quickly. If you were going to do that and paid him his $25 million. Because as much as you need OG and as much as OG has a value, so does quickly. And I think I would I would have rolled the dice with a quickly and whoever you can get for RJ, finding, you know, a, a guy who's three times less than OG, just to move RJ and Fournier and get that guy, uh, instead of having to pay OG forty million dollars a year. All right. He might get thirty though. He might get that thirty million million dollar contract. I don't even know if he can get forty, but I'm not gonna look at that right now. Thirty might be too much for some people, but I think if oh, if if we're okay, if you're okay giving quickly twenty five, you're okay giving OG thirty. You pay for a little size to do something similar, all right? You pay for a little size. But I'm just making just just put this all together. I know some of you are RJ fans, okay? RJ does not carry the value that you think he does. This was not a rental for the Knicks. You have to logically assume, even though it may be irresponsible, you have to logically assume that this is a long-term contract that OG is going to sign. And RJ Barrett was com- is committed money to RJ Barrett, and you are committing to an inconsistent player who is killing you on the floor. Because his mean, when he reverts to his mean, it's not good enough. So now let's look at this deal. So we put that aside. I do want to talk about all the people who said that IQ is definitely, definitely going to get traded by, by the deadline because they don't want to pay him. You have to be, you have to be giving your kudos. You have to be. I, I still don't agree. I don't, I don't think that the Knicks were desperate to trade IQ. Because this is not a desperate to trade IQ trade. As much as you guys want to make it that. We already covered it. Uh, I think though, however, it's obvious that they would rather pay OG than pay IQ. And I think that's how you have to look at this. Because RJ is not a value at his money. He's not a value. He's looking shaky. They're not going after R.J. Barrett in that that guaranteed money. Quickly was the target in this deal. And when you understand that Quickly was the target in this deal, when you really internalize it, you really listen to what I'm saying, you really understand why Quickly was a part of this deal. It was a necessary, necessary evil. You weren't getting OG unless you gave them a boatload of draft picks which would preclude you from getting a second player of value, which is what they've already said they're going to do, uh, according to reports. That they think they can get two guys. Remember that report a couple of weeks ago? I think it was Stefan Bondi? That they next think they can get two guys. It might might not have been Bondi. It might have been the typical, oh, it was Woj. It was Woj. Because we talked about it. You know, he's rumored to be a mouthpiece for Leon Rose and CAA. If you had to trade all of your picks to get OG with, with RJ, right, with RJ or with Fournier, you wouldn't be able to get another guy because RJ value does not carry that value. You would have had to have traded quickly regardless because if you traded the picks instead with RJ, if you wanted a second guy, you definitely had to get quick uh, trade quickly and you wouldn't have gotten a ton of value for him. Unless it was a team that quickly was willing to go to and was willing to pay him his $25 million. Which becomes a smaller group of teams. Because now you're talking about teams that have the player that you're interested in. Are willing to trade him for no actual, or I should say only one player of actual value. Because you'd be moving him with Fournier. Because RJ was traded. And you'd be including less picks because you don't have any more because you moved them instead of quickly in the RJ deal. So it couldn't be a pick-heavy trade and a player-light trade for a, a a superstar. What? What superstar is this? You gonna get him for quickly and Fournier and three picks? That's what you would maybe get OG for. But you're not getting a superstar with RJ. That's a problem. Quickly is the main cog Because RJ effed his value. He effed it. And I'm the guy who told you. Coming into this season, I think Archie's going to have a good year this year. He changed his jump shot. He looked good over the summer. And I'm the guy who told you when he got injured, I'm real nervous that he's going to come back from injury playing like trash again because that's what he always does. And that's what he did. This is what he always does. His mean is that of an inefficient scorer who doesn't do enough of the other things. The Knicks could not win with him if they're going to have Randall and Brunson. And even if you hate Randall and you want Randall traded, whoever you trade Randall for, it's still going to be a second option over R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett has not earned earned the right to be a second option on his team. He has not shown that he can be that. No, even if he did it once or twice and he was good in the playoffs, it wasn't enough. It wasn't good enough. In that game six, he wasn't good enough in Miami. He's not a good enough player to be a number two option for a championship team. So whoever you traded for would have to be a number two option. If you traded Randall, I should say. It would have to be a number two option, which means he's still number three, which means he's still in the same role, which you're saying if you're an RJ fan is the reason why he's not playing well. No scenario none would dictate him being the second option on a championship team he's the third option on this team at best and as a third option he has been insufficient to win consistently at a high level he is the main reason they do not win on a high level he's the main reason why iq does not play more which is a shame of this deal because trading rga means that I, iq i don't know why i emphasize the j and rj but It's the main reason why IQ doesn't play. More, I should say. It's the main reason you think it's Josh Hart. It's not Josh Hart because Josh Hart gives you too many positive things for you to not want him to play. Why would you not want him to play? Over R.J. Barrett. He's a better rebounder. He's a better shot creator. He's a better defender. Everything down the line. He's even a better shooter and he doesn't shoot that well. One thing he's not better at is a better scorer, but RJ is an inefficient scorer too many nights, so it doesn't matter. You had to upgrade RJ's position. You had to if you want to go to the next level. It doesn't mean it's the last move you make, but this day, on this day, the Knicks are a better team even after having, lose, losing, uh, after having lost IQ. Because as much as I sit here and love IQ, IQ has too many seven-point games when the Knicks need him to score 15. Yeah, I said it. I said it. And the things that IQ does well, there are other players on the team who can do that. You think IQ settles the team well and gets some good shots? Well, Art does that sometimes too. You think IQ makes good shots and gives you scoring punch? He definitely does. No question. And they will lose that on the nights that he actually does it. Because the nights when he doesn't do it, they're definitely struggling because that means they have to depend on the other guy who's also sometimes on his offense. More sometimes than IQ, obviously. So, yes, so absolutely losing IQ hurts. But maybe counting on IQ to give you offense consistently against better teams, the great teams in the league, especially like in the playoffs last year where he did not play well offensively, as, but as well as he's playing right now. And again, we're not going to make this a shade IQ session, but let's not act like he's irreplaceable because we just replaced him with one of the best defensive players in the league. Essentially. And that, yes, I said replace him because R.J. Barrett was not giving you anything. You can't judge R.J. Barrett on what he might be. You got to judge him on what he is night to night and what he is night to night is not good enough. And they have to play him. He's making $25 million a year. They have to play him. And and their best lineups are lineups that don't include him on most nights. Seven nights out of ten are lineups that don't include him. There are three guys who are going to play every single night, going to play their minutes, just about regardless of whether or not they play well. Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and Josh Hart. And lowercase on Josh Hart, because if he doesn't play well, they have options to sit him. And if RJ plays well, they will sit Josh Hart. But they don't want to sit Josh Hart. Because he does too many things consistently every single night. He is there every single night. And as much as you love IQ, if, if defense is not what's... If his defense sometimes, as a smaller player, and we talked about this in the last episode... If R.J. Barrett or, or Josh Hart has to be on the floor, remember I gave you the stat last episode. They are deeply in the minus when one of those guys is not on the floor because they are too small. And so if R.J. or Josh Hart are not on the floor, they cannot compete on a consistent and effective level against a lot of teams in this league. One of them has to be on the, on the floor. And R.J. Barrett is too often a negative to justify him being on the floor over Josh Hart, frankly. But Tibbs still will put him out there if he's having a decent enough game. But that means Josh Hart is at the two guard because he doesn't want to take Josh Hart out of the game because of all the things that Josh Hart does. So that means IQ is edged out because of what I told you last episode, he will preemptively remove IQ because he thinks the size is going to hurt the team. He will preemptively move him even before the size hurts him. Hurts them, but in that OKC game, as much as people probably parroted in different ways what I just said, because they're criticizing Tips for doing it, and I'm kind of I'm I'm not I'm not 100 full blown. I don't like the preemptive strike, but I get why he does it. Right, someone broke down, and I think it was Riz Holzman. I, he he broke down a sequence. I might be giving him someone else's credit, and I'm not even going to look. Right? But follow him anyways. awesome. A sequence where Jalen Williams scored on a mid-range jump shot, and it appeared to be great defense, but he just shot over IQ. Right? And, like, IQ, everybody's going to get scored on sometimes. So let's not, you know, let's not go crazy. But those are the type of baskets that teams get when they have a size advantage over you. And they have good functional players who know how to take advantage of size advantages, which we don't always have, by the way, right? So whereas you're looking at the positives, positives that IQ gives you, you're not always looking at some of the negatives that hurt the team when he's on the floor that kept him from playing more because unlike DiVincenzo and Grimes, his primary position is the position that Brunson is playing. So he can't get most of his minutes there. He has to steal their minutes at the shooting guard position, or they're stealing his, however you want to say it. Say it. So if Hart is going to play consistently down the stretch, that means he, he, there's, a, there's a politics aspect to RJ playing in the fourth quarter, because of how much money he makes and, and who RJ is to the franchise. There's a politics aspect to it, right? And there's also a fool's gold aspect to it, where it's like, oh, he's having a decent enough game, and he makes big plays down the stretch, so let's, let's throw him in the game. And he's not terrible defensively tonight. He has decent matchups t- tonight. He's doing okay defensively, which he does do sometimes. But he doesn't make the plays that Hart does, and, and sometimes neither does IQ. But IQ does ton- a ton of positive stuff. But whatever, I'm not going. I'm not going to make that Hart IQ comparison because I think that's lazy. It's the IQ RJ comparison. But Josh Hart is still only six four. So you you're. you're- you're benching Arc J because he's either not playing well or not playing well enough, juxtaposed with what Hart is doing, or you're not playing him because you want to play IQ. There are too many scenarios or, or Grimes or DiVincenzo or whatever, because Hart has to be on the floor. And even if Hart is not playing well, you're playing IQ with the shooting guard, which makes you a small shooting guard uh, against a lot of teams. It's, it doesn't hurt you as much as, you know, maybe Tibbs acts like, but it does hurt you because IQ can't guard Jalen Brown. <laughs> he can't guard a shooting guard of size. He's not going to guard that guy consistently. They're going to shoot over him. And I told you about Donovan Mitchell picking on him. So if, if the position that you need to play IQ at is shooting guard, and he is too often too small to play that position, And the other guy who's playing a ton because of what he gives you on the floor in Josh Hart has to be on the floor more times than not because he makes big play after big play in the fourth quarter. So even if you want to compare IQ and Josh Hart, that's two guys that have to play if you want to win. The guy who's X'd out is R.J. Barrett. Because no Nick fan whose eyes work. Okay, if your eyes work. You would not choose to play R.J. Barrett over Josh Hart or IQ unless they're playing terribly that night, which means that he's the backup, not them. There are too many nights where R.J. is a worse player than one of those two guys but has to play their minutes. Somebody had to go. Unfortunately, they both went. That's the unfortunate part. IQ had to go too. Because the only way to give IQ 30 minutes a game is to play him as shooting guard. And that's not good enough. That might be good enough for you because you love IQ, but it's not good enough for this team if they want to get to the next level. Now, on to the acquisition, and it should be common sense. It should be. Because I told you all year long, and I'm going to repeat myself in a few minutes. But I, I told you all year long that the Knicks maybe didn't need a superstar. That doesn't I mean they ain't going to get one, but they didn't, maybe they didn't need a, super, a superstar, but they needed a wing. Who could score on all three levels, competently, not necessarily necessarily on an elite level, but competently, hit the outside shot and def- and was a tall, defending wing? That's what I told you. That's what OJ OJ, OJ, OG is. That's what he is. It is exactly what they needed. Now, I thought that would be in combination with IQ off the bench. But let's not do that again. That's exactly what they needed, and they got it. And I also told you, and I've been talking about it at Nauseum, that the person to replace to get that person was RJ Barrett. But I did, I did say that a player like OG would function well with RJ Barrett, a guy who didn't need a lot of shots. But that's neither here nor there. This is what they needed, and they got it. OJ's OG stop calling this boy OJ. OG's hitting the outside shot. He's a competent three-level scorer. He can pull up. He can dribble pull up. He can hit little uh, in-between shots in the lane. He can score at the front of the rim. He's not a prolific scorer. He is a competent scorer, and that's all they need. Now, the one thing about OG is one of the reasons why he wanted to leave Toronto is because he wanted more shots. He's not going to get that here. But he believed that he had more to offer offensively than Toronto was giving him credit for. He wanted more touches. He's not going to get that here. That being said, he does become... The de facto third option on this team, but that's what he was. That's what he was in Toronto. And the third option on this team, according to RJ Barrett, gets a shit ton of shots. Now I told you all year long. All year long that it would be nice to have a backup five who can back up the four, who can give you a shooting spread the floor option for this team. Because a shooting five gives the Knicks a lot of freedom offensively. I told you this from day one. If I didn't go back to last year and tell you this, I told you this over the summer, about how Mitchell Robinson and his spacing issues hurt the Knicks, and then Randall would be a hundred times better player if he had a shooting center. But Hardenstein split the difference on that. I just told you about that. So bringing in Precious Achua as, a, as, a, as an option to throw in there, if you're too small to back up four, you don't have to depend on uh sims and hurt your spacing having him at the power forward position taj is old and we talked about taj being a positive for the most part but you don't have to depend on taj and his old ass to be a, a suitable pack uh backup for night in night out even though he would he would be a, a decent option uh, for 15 minutes here and there you don't have to count on him now you have pressures to throw out there if you need that size and now you have that small ball five not small ball five but you shooting five a stretch five if you need that option and now you have an actual suitable option to back up Hartenstein if there's an injury of some sort. He's not great, great defensively, but he's decent. Now you have insurance, a guy who's capable offensively and not just, you know, uh, spastic the way Jericho Sims is and not a little too old and, and too shaky to depend on in Taj Gibson. So that acquisition actually helps the roster, the balance on the roster. And it's kudos to the acquisition. He's only making $4 million a year. He might go. He's, he's a tradable contract in case you need him for another deal. But he, he satisfies, to some degree, a need that you have right now. They also got Malachi Flynn in this deal. Malachi Flynn is a talented offensive guard. He tends to have good games here and there. He's rumored to be a little bit of a pain in the butt in the locker room. He's probably not going to be here very long with that kind of attitude. But he does he's very skilled. He can hit the outside shot. And he can he can do a lot of damage out there. So I am curious if McBride is going to finally get his shot or if Malachi Flynn is going to settle into that role. If I'm, if I'm being honest with you, I'd be shocked if Deuce McBride did not get every opportunity to take over that position, because I do think that the Knicks have quietly had a lot of confidence in Deuce McBride filling in for IQ, especially defensively. He doesn't have quite his size, but he, remember, last December when the Knicks made that, Roster, uh, I should say, rotation change to save Tibbs' job. McBride was part of that change. And I think McBride has even improved a little bit more uh, his shooting since last year. We'll see. He's not a great playmaker, but he is very good at throwing a lot of pass on the pick and roll. Right? One thing that IQ never did, by the way. But we're not going to criticize IQ. God bless you. He's awesome dude. All the best in Toronto. You oh, you got your wish. And when people say the Knicks organization isn't loyal, understand that the Knicks made this trade. They traded RJ back home and they traded IQ to a, a team that he can start. They didn't trade him to Siberia. Now it's cold as hell in Toronto, but they didn't trade him inside to Siberia. They traded him to give him an opportunity to start and make as much money as possible, which is exactly what they did to Obi as well. You guys don't ever pay attention to that stuff, but there is a lot to be said that they didn't trade him to play behind. You know, another all-star point guard. And maybe it just worked out that way, but he, he's—they've given IQ every opportunity to get paid, and they sent RJ home. And you know, RJ didn't want to leave here, but you know, he was happy to play for Toronto. So I think Amalaki is going to end up being insurance here. He's going to be good insurance as a third guard. They—they they cut DaQuan Jeffries, a player who I liked, but he was never going to play here. That's unfortunate. They should have cut Richie, but you already know the politics behind that with him being best friends with Brunson and Hart and all those guys and DiVincenzo, right? So Malachi is going to be insurance and now Deuce McBride, an under-discussed aspect of this deal is the promotion of Deuce McBride and given the opportunity after all these years of being developed And having no opportunity to play consistently except for last year in that stretch right before Josh Hart got traded. Which a lot of times made the Knicks too small because it meant that he had to play with IQ at the shooting guard position. Once again, too small of a team. But now he gets to play his primary position point guard. Play his 20 minutes or whatever. 15-20 minutes. Give Brunson a break. And we can actually see if McBride can consistently do some of the things that we've seen him do in the G League. That quiet is kept... Deuce McBride, although not the same player as IQ, may have a similar effect because last December when they put him in the lineup, he, IQ, and Grimes playing or playing more minutes led to the Knicks having an awesome defensive efficiency run. He is an awesome defensive player at the point guard position. That's something that you're not hearing people discuss because, A, as a flyer right now, you have... You don't have a lot to go on to know that he's going to be consistent enough offensively to create offense for that second unit because he's not IQ. And it took IQ a long time to be consistent on that front, too, to be honest with you. But they also have Devo in that second unit to help. They also have Grimes in that second unit who now gets an opportunity to get even more minutes. Because McBride is not going to steal those shooting guard minutes. Right. So Grimes is an opportunity to get even more minutes to get his scary butt into gear. So this balances out the, the guard position, point guard and shooting guard position for the Knicks a good bit. Now, even though Josh Hart is going to end up spending more time at shooting guard now than OG's, because OG's gonna come here, he's gonna play 30 minutes. So actually, I might need to, I might need to remix everything I just said, man. Let's just end the show right there because I just I just gave myself a headache. OG's going to play 30 minutes, and Josh Hart's minutes are not going to go down. That means he's going to be playing that shooting guard position minutes a ton. That means that means that, that OG, first of all, OG's going to be playing some power forward minutes, too, by the way. He's going to be playing some backup power forward minutes, so Josh Hart's going to be moving more to the backup small forward position. All right, we got to do a whole other show on this and work that out. It's the deal. Let's, let's be honest. The Knicks are better today than they were yesterday. And trades were going to be made, and I told you on this show that I wasn't going to like everybody who moved in that trade, but in in any trade, it turned out to be quickly. It is what it is. It happened. But we got the same energy around here. Follow at Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Ethos Knicks. Until next time. (laughs)